Welcome to the Royal Australian New Zealand College of Psychiatrists In Conversation on the Rural Pathway to Fellowship series. This series will explore rural psychiatry, including the importance of the delivery of rural mental health care and the unique challenges and benefits of rural psychiatry training and practice through first-hand stories from current trainees on their rural pathways to fellowship and new fellows who participated in rural psychiatry training. We hope to illustrate the unique opportunities granted to those willing to give up the city life and take up the adventure of training in regional, rural and remote locations. This podcast series was made possible by funding from the Australian Government through the Specialist Training Program. The Specialist Training Program is an Australian Government initiative to support specialist medical training in settings beyond traditional public teaching hospitals, including in regional, rural and remote and private facilities. This episode will explore Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander mental health, considering Indigenous values, lifestyles, aspirations, family and differing needs and capacities of Indigenous people in diverse complex economic and social circumstances. In the first part of this podcast, you will hear some distracting background noises as our speakers generously give their time to share their stories during their very busy working day. Please stay with us as this improves as the podcast progresses. My name is uh, Dr. Samuel Baxter, uh, and I'm here with uh, Dr. Madeline Lung. And uh, we're doing a STP episode on Psych Matters. Hello. Um, so, yes, I get referred to as Natty. I'm a CL Psychiatry Advanced Trainee. I work in Mildura in the Mildura-based public hospital. So Mildura is a sub-regional town, which is about 600 kilometres out of Melbourne and probably 400 from Adelaide. But we are in Victoria. Okay, uh, we're kind of on the border of Victoria yeah, and New South Wales and South Australia, which can be interesting for our Mental Health Act legislation. Uh, we have a 172-bed hospital, which includes the mental health beds, and we do have quite a large Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander population. Um, Mildura is situated just under 100 kilometres away from what used to be um, an Aboriginal mission um, over in New South Wales. And we still have patients that come um, from there over to Mildura across the border because it's much closer to get to the Mildura Mental Health Services than it is to get to New South Wales counterpart, which is in broken state. My position is an STP position at the moment. And I think uh, actually quite a few of the roles that I've been in have been STP funded positions. Uh, how about you? Yeah, I'm a... Stage three advanced trainee in um, addiction psychiatry in Tasmania. In in Hobart, the vast majority of Tasmania's uh, training network is all STP funded. So Tasmania generally for everything is broken into three areas. It's the southern, which is Hobart, and then there's there'll be northern, which is Launceston, and then northwest, which is around Burnie. We're placed down here, so the training program's down here and there's a training program in Launceston as well. The Hobart Hospital is the only hospital in the, in the south and it's uh, got about 500 beds. Because it's the, the state's main hospital, it, it provides quite high-level tertiary services, but it doesn't necessarily have the same kind of population that a lot of New South Wales or mainland hospitals might cover. There's only about half a million people in Tassie to to start with so some services are, are really good and some services just um, don't necessarily have this the support the the psychiatry training network is 
pretty well established down here. And there are multiple STP locations. So there's uh, old age, addiction training, uh, advanced CL and uh, forensics and CAMs as well, of course, CAMs. There's training positions for all those down here and they're all either STP or IRTP or other kind of uh, supported placements by the college. And there's a, a, a nice little group of us that can fluctuate from 15 to, to 40 of us uh, for, that cover the state. So Tasmania is fairly isolated. We've got a moat that kind of keeps us separated from the other states. If we do get into trouble um, with patients, Mildura is quite isolated. Tasmania is very isolated. Uh, we can't use ambulances to get people out of the state and generally they'll have to be, we've had some patients that have needed one-on-one anaesthetic cover to be intubated and uh, taken out by an airplane um, pretty much to go into state. So that's the service I work in down here. My entire training pretty much has been in STP placements. I think um, the first time that I ever had an awareness that it was difficult to have contact with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander patients was when our Director of Training came down and um, asked me whether I had managed to see um, three Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander patients. That was kind of at the end of my first year and I um, thought that she had gone a bit mad. I was like, oh, yes, like I see three Aboriginal patients a day and she kind of told me that was one of the... WBAs that people that are not in kind of rural or STP areas have trouble getting, and it was pretty shocking to me. We have a, a lot of contact with Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander mental health. Yeah, I guess it depends on the questions you ask of whether you you might be aware or not aware that you're speaking to someone with a, a different culture, Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander. It's a bit different in Tasmania because there's a really big cultural importance placed on being a Tasmanian Aboriginal person and so it's even another level of differentiation between the Indigenous patients. It's interesting working in different locations but yeah there's lots of patients with diverse cultural backgrounds in STP locations. I was wondering when you said um, depends on the questions you ask, um, would you actually ask the um, patients if they are Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander and where they're from? Yeah, so out of practice I ask quite a bit in the service that I work in at the moment because there are some really good resources available in Tasmania, like I work in Hobart. So there's the um, Tasmanian Aboriginal Council and they run a really good supportive services. So it's a method of trying to get um, the best service and support for your patients as you can. Uh, I would clarify that quite a bit, as well as um, depending on which different areas um, you work in, it's a requirement. So it's asked quite a bit. It's a, it's a specific requirement whenever you're taking a patient or you're, um, you're going to the uh, mental health tribunal, uh, you're supposed to have clarified that to make sure that your patient has, you know, cultural support at the mental health tribunal. So that's something that's different here in Tasmania. So it's just out of practice, yeah, we would ask that a a fair bit. But if you don't ask, you won't know and you'll miss that. Yeah, I think um, in Mildura we often get a, um, 
like a registration form where somebody from administration has asked the person are you Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander, and especially as I'm on CL, so I'm going over to the general wards. Often the patient's already been admitted there for a couple of days, sometimes even more than a week or so, and it can be a really bad habit to just flick through the registration form and see whether it's been marked that the person is Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander. And I have found a couple of incidents where it's actually been incorrect and was later picked up. There was a um, gentleman recently, obviously, I can't go into confidential details, but he, um, we thought this gentleman was Aboriginal and it was ticked to say that he was Aboriginal. He was 62, which meant if he was Aboriginal, he would be um, the aged person's mental health services. Um, and when we kind of let him know that, he um, kind of looked at us like we um, were talking nonsense and said, that's all very interesting, but I'm, I'm not Aboriginal, so why are you telling me this? It was all kind of, I then had to say, oh, we're sorry, but we looked at your form and it was ticked to say that you are Aboriginal. And he was quite confused and said that he actually was never asked that question, uh, this admission, so he's not sure why it was kicked. I guess my learning from that was kind of what you just said, to always ask yourself. To always clarify. Look, I've worked on the mainland and I've worked in Tasmania and I've found very few patients are offended, especially if you ask it in the right context but it's you know it's only an apology away if you do ask it in the wrong context yeah that's so fair. so the importance of um, mental health in rural areas is quite significant I imagine Emil Jura that the patients there take it quite serious and particularly with the Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander population it's it's quite important do you have any thoughts or memories so like where that's been really stark for you? Yeah, I think um, one of the unfortunate things about Mildura is we have a reasonably high um, suicide rate, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. I guess that is across the board in the whole of Australia, but because we do have more Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander patients, it's more prominent. I have had a few patients who I have looked after that have later down the track gone on to complete suicide. I think it just really makes it pretty clear that there are lots of there needs to be lots of help, lots of resources focused on on Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander mental health. We have a, a um, local Aboriginal service, the Mallee District Aboriginal Services, and they do provide some mental health services. But it's a really tricky balance between finding people that are culturally competent or themselves Aboriginal and people that have mental health skills. It often worked well when we would kind of work together and go in pairs, but then there's obviously some kind of legislative and administrative difficulties because we would be from different organisations. I think one thing that um, was really interesting to me was that a lot of the Aboriginal patients with mental health concerns, they wouldn't like to come up to the hospital because they would just see it as somewhere they would be kind of locked up and that bad things might happen to them. And, in fact, some people had had those bad things happen to them in the past in this hospital. So it was kind of about realising that that was why people weren't presenting. I think that was surprising to me. But it made a lot of sense once I realised why. Yeah, that's interesting. A sad but interesting point is that that's a barrier to accessing health, is that that fear of mistreatment. I've not seen that as prominently in Hobart, but I can't speak to the rest of, of the state, but I, I imagine it would happen. 
And so we've just always got to be mindful, don't we, to that we do ask the culturally sensitive questions and we, we try to be as supportive as we can. I think in the seal space where that's most prominent is um, in the perinatal space, like Aboriginal women who give birth and then they start to kind of feel the postpartum blues or maybe even get depressed, will be worried about their children being taken off of them. And sometimes us coming in and saying we're here from mental health or in particular the social worker coming in, although well-intentioned, we have to be really aware that that may actually really worry them and make them a lot more worried because they may be concerned because of historical reasons that we're there to take their children away. Um, We aren't, and we now try to be very aware that that might be a concern of theirs and just we get it out of the way and say straight away, we are not here to try and remove your children. We're here because someone was worried that you might need some support for your mental health. I've actually found that that is received reasonably well. Something I was pretty nervous about doing in the beginning because I thought um, paradoxically that they might think that that was me being racist by kind of mentioning stolen generations. But I found it's received pretty well, actually. Yeah, being open and upfront and explaining that some other patients do get concerned when you come. I think that sounds fairly reasonable. We 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 do that a lot here. It, I remember when I did my sealed terms, that was part of part and parcel of it that you make sure that the patient wanted to see you first before you started diving in, asking too many questions. I don't think that there are enough opportunities offered through the advanced training certificates. I think. Sometimes with the training, with the college and things like that, it's quite hard to probably uh, enforce that over many states and different locations. I do know that it's that uh, cultural sensitivity training is encouraged. And so I had the opportunity to do cultural awareness training that was supported through the college when um, we had the uh, college... Congress? Congress, oh, yeah, that's yes. That's right, they did have that this year. Yeah, so when when Congress was in town, um, I did the cultural training, which was which was a great opportunity, and that was free. But I I don't think it's really linked in with advanced training certificates. Honestly, I don't know how you would do that across two nations in multiple states and make it culturally sensitive and appropriate. I think the college generally does uh, try to um, provide um, the opportunity to to become more culturally aware and informed clinicians. Have you had any specific experience with your advanced training certificate on that point? Not really. So I think I probably have to agree with you. Sometimes um, I find it often with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander mental health stuff, oftentimes things feel kind of tokenistic or given the opportunity to expand on your cultural competence, like the Congress thing that you did or watching webinars and things like that. Um, I actually think there should probably be more things which are mandatory across all of the SEAL advanced training certificates, just because I think that Aboriginal, Torres Strait Islander mental health, no matter what advanced certificate you're going into, would be really important. I do agree it's probably really difficult for the college to do, given all of the different kind of cultures that we do have, and I'm not sure how they might get around it, but I do um, sometimes worry that things can just be a little bit tokenistic. I think they're working towards it being a bit more complete, though, and it has been really good to see those things like the Congress coming out and advertising when there are courses on. I did do the um, Tracy Weston and 
Aboriginal Suicide Prevention and Mental Health Assessment uh, course. That was really good. I actually think that was really helpful because it was specific to mental health. It was definitely not tokenistic, but it was it was quite expensive. And I think that is just kind of a barrier to some people doing things like that. I agree. Sometimes, yeah, there are great opportunities, but especially with training that there are such high costs for the registrars to just get through and with, with exams. Um, <clears throat> so it is difficult to do that, that, that higher learning. I hope that you're enjoying this podcast. If you have a topic suggestion or would like to participate in a future episode of Psych Matters, we'd love to hear from you. Please contact us by email at psychmatters.feedback at ranzcp.org. Yeah, we, we don't really have integration teams. Like we, we work with the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander social workers, um, liaisons, to try and get them to come in to support the patient, but it's not necessarily in a multidisciplinary. So working out at pharmacotherapy, providing opioid replacement therapy for patients, it's kind of split, as in a lot of the patients that do identify that, that are Aboriginal, they will go to the tax service generally, but there is support that Patients can move between the two services or change if they, if they wish for any reason. The medical officers that work at TAC, that they're generally they're trained out at our service because we're the statewide addiction service. So they'll come out and see patients um, while they're upskilling just so they can provide that service at the TAC. But it, it is kind of siloed. It's kind of two separate services. Yeah, I suppose we have similar, like we were talking about before with the local Mallee District Aboriginal services. Sometimes it feels like we have two separate services rather than running them um, together and working together. But I think that's work in progress and something which will eventually happen. Aboriginal mental health and preparing for college administered assessments. How far have you got along in your college stuff so far? (laughs) Yes, so I've finished the exams and I've just got the Scully Project and Psychotherapy write-up. So I'm pretty happy with that. How about yourself? Uh, same. <laughs> Done with the exams but still have Scully Project and Psychotherapy written case. Did you find that working with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander patients helped you to college administered assessments? I would say that any experience with any patients makes you a better clinician, um, but I can't think of specific examples where the culture was important. I do know that the college tries to be quite careful about the questions it writes because it would be unfair and triggering for an Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander registrar to be sitting in an exam and to be asked an inappropriate question where their culture was misused or misrepresented in some way. It would be unfair on them. Yeah, I think the college be more aware of that, to just be very careful of not just using someone's heritage as a throwaway statement to a question because it can can upset people unnecessarily when they're sitting it. So I didn't see any exams where it was necessarily inherently interlinked with it. Although, you know, I did do the alternative assessment for the OSCE and one of my cases was of a patient, an Aboriginal patient. Did I answer that in a roundabout way no good it's i actually didn't know that they were careful about putting 
questions about Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander culture. Oh, yeah, because you've got to be careful because if you, even if you did something like this, if you wrote a question about, say, someone up, up in northern Queensland, far north Queensland, Cairns or somewhere up there, and you identify that the patient is a Torres Strait Islander, and then you start asking questions about like where they should go, or you write in the text that they you refer them to the local AMS. That might be upsetting to someone that's Torres Strait Islander. I've been told that before because that's like there's a cultural mismatch there. Even the language, like using ATSI, uh, can be upsetting and triggering because a politician that says it sounds like you're referring to Aboriginal Torres Strait Islanders like they're. A, an insect or something like that when you call them Atsy. I think even like, you know, just the, the correct text and things like that is quite, quite important. Good to know they put thought into that though. Yeah, I think they're getting better. Yeah. The college. And, and I'm aware that the, the college, I think each year they, they do have a group of people that sits through and goes through the bank of old questions to make sure that they're still culturally sensitive and appropriate and well, they, they rewrite them. I also um, didn't do an Aboriginal person for one of my CCA cases, but I my um, psychotherapy patient was also an Aboriginal gentleman. So that would have been really important. Yeah, and it, it was very important in his presentation, actually. And obviously that his case does not apply to all Aboriginal people, but it was interesting to explore the meaning of culture in his presentation. And in the write-up. I imagine. And in the write-up, I haven't actually uh, written it up completely yet and it's pretty complex, so I'm kind of editing away, doing little bits along as I go. <laughs> Are there any other kind of things that you want to talk about? Like, I guess one thing that is um, really helpful in STP positions is that they come with funding for educational activities. And so anyone that's in an STP position, I would encourage them to use that extra funding to do workshops and courses and extra opportunities that relate to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander mental health. It's really important. I think um, you probably never go into a job again where they will be happy to give you $4,000 to do an Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander mental health couple of days course. It will be invaluable. So if you can use that funding just because there are already so many barriers to people accessing those kinds of things. And the STP positions often come with that kind of funding. That's good. No, it's true. It's um, It can be quite generous um, at different times. And the other thing that I, I remember starting my scholarly project while I was in STP, they have funding to decide so you can allocate access to like a statistician or something else to support you in doing your um, scholarly project so that they talk about that. So that is a good point. Yeah, as I said, all of the terms in TAS here are so it's hard to differentiate them, but pretty much all of them are because it Tasman the Tasmania project, so it's the only way that we can support having a training program in Tasmania. I guess kind of similar, most of our positions in Mildura, if they're not STP, they're the IRTP or the PWP or all of the other things. No, no, that's that's definitely true. Well, good to talk to you, Sam, about Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander mental health. I hope that you enjoy the rest of your placements and um, that you keep on having good opportunities to interact and improve the mental health of Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander people. Uh, you too, and good, good luck with all your future endeavours. 
We hope you enjoyed this episode of Psych Matters. Feel free to share it with others and keep an eye out for future episodes. Psych Matters is produced by the Royal Australian and New Zealand College of Psychiatrists.